Welcome to the Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks so much for listening to the Sword and the Trial today. Very glad to have you with us. And a big thank you to those who are a part of our Founders Alliance membership. We are grateful for your monthly support and encouragement and hope you are greatly blessed by all the various resources that come your way. If you are not a part of the FAM, then you can go to founders.org and discover what it means to join the Founders Alliance membership. Uh, We're excited about a number of initiatives going on right now at Founders Ministries, not the least of which is the Institute of Public Theology, which has been rolled out, classes starting in the fall and applications open April 15th, applications for admissions. So go to instituteofpublictheology.org to find out more information about that. Yeah, there's a lot going on with Founders and we're delighted for uh, what God has done thus far and appreciate all those who are partnering with us. Um, we're especially glad today to have a longtime friend and partner in gospel ministry, Conrad Mbewe, who traveled all the way from Lusaka, Zambia in order to be on the sword and the trowel. That's so, right. Conrad, thank you for doing this, making this special trip over. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. On this podcast, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, uh, Conrad was in the area. It was in Southwest Florida. Has preached uh, at a church, local church here, and we were able to uh, kidnap him for a few hours to bring him over to the founder site, our studio, and he's willing to sit down with us and talk about some of the things he's go- going on over in Lusaka. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Conrad has had a worldwide ministry for many, many years. He was a part of a first generation of uh, converts that were largely discipled on banner of truth type of materials from a disciple of Lloyd-Jones. Is that right? And uh, from that became a church planter, pastor, and now is involved in a variety of ministries. We've been talking about it this morning, just so many different things that God has uh, done with you, through you, and we're going to talk about some of them today. But tell us a little bit, comrade, about how you came to faith and how you got on this pathway early in your life to being a pastor in Lusaka. Yes, well, um, I, I was brought up in um, a church-going family in a sort of liberal kind of uh, church context. And uh, my mom died when I was nine years old, and then we were fostered by her immediate elder sister. My elder sister came back to dad's home first when she came to university. And in, in coming there, uh, attended the Baptist church uh, soon after getting to university and got converted. Mm. Uh, when I came back to dad's home a year later, I found a completely transformed sister. And I've never forgotten thinking, if this is what true Christianity is, then I'm not a Christian. Mm. And that's really what got me searching. The Lord used another friend of mine to write me an evangelistic letter. And these two things are what the Lord used mm. to bring me to faith in Christ in March 1979. Mm. Um, The Baptist Church at that point had just received a new pastor, the first Zambian pastor at uh, the Lusaka Baptist Church who had just come in from uh, England. He had studied uh, to be a scientist there, came back to Zambia, then went to study at Spurgeon's College. And when he came back, I mean, that entire background of exposure in in England uh, caused him to come to a reformed understanding and also an expository ministry. Mm. So basically, I walked right into into this. 
and uh, for the next three, four, five years, he was taking the church through the Book of Romans, uh, bringing in a lot of the uh, Banner of Truth books, titles, quoting them a lot, um, Lloyd-Jones being one of them, uh, that he quoted a lot. And that's how a number of us young people in university came to a reformed understanding of uh, the Christian faith. And mm. as we graduated and went to different parts of the country, we took this along with us. Yeah. And uh, without anyone really planning this, that's how the Reformed Baptist movement in Zambia began. And there was like 10 or 12 of you, weren't there, that God just one by one began to call yes. to go into gospel ministry. And it's a fascinating story. Yes, yes. Well, as I said, no one really planned this. Yeah. Uh, but all of us looking back uh, with genuine uh, acknowledgement, see the grace of God, not only to us as individuals, uh, but to our churches, to the nation, to the continent, and so on. Right, and so you have uh, been uh, really the founding pastor, the first pastor of Kabwata Baptist Church in Lusaka, yes. wonderful church, and from there y'all have planted dozens of churches, is that fair to say? Yeah, well, our own church has planted slightly over 30 okay. churches. Yeah. Uh, and so there's been a movement from Zambia and then throughout other countries in Africa of church planting that really got stirred up there at Kabwata. And you have been pastor of that congregation now for 34 years or something like yes, that? Yes, since, since 1987, so it would be 34. Yeah, 34 years. And, and just from that local church, a, a variety of ministries has arisen and it's wonderful we were talking about it this morning i think one of the the most recent and one that we've had some connection with through our common friend Bodie balkum who is now living in lusaka though now he's recovering from heart surgery here in the united states has been involved with the african christian university and we're excited about that and glad that you're doing it tell us a little about the acu and, and what's going on there with that university yes the the african christian university began as an idea Around about the year 2008, uh, we had an American missionary in uh, Mozambique mm -hmm. uh, by the name of uh, Ken Turnbull and his wife who came to Zambia and uh, uh, basically brought up the subject. We had been thinking we'd have something like that in the next maybe 20 years <laughs> or so, uh, but, but the Lord had his own way of bringing all this about. Uh, the chairman of our deacons had just this burden as well to start uh, a university, not knowing exactly how all this would work out. Um, even just thinking in terms of a liberal arts university was not something that at that point we we even really understood. So we, we began to do a lot of reading, studying, and uh, you know appreciating that really this is the way we ought to go. Uh, so we, in due season, uh, opened doors to students in uh, 2017 about two years earlier, uh, that's when Vodi actually came over to be with us. So he he was with us when doors finally opened. Mm. And um, uh, we we currently have four streams. We we have theology, the queen of, uh, of of all the sciences, so to speak. And then we also have agriculture. We have uh, business, and we we also have education. But all of them being really approached uh, from a biblical worldview, deliberately so, because we want to 
um, develop a generation of not just church leaders but community leaders as well who think through issues uh, from a biblical worldview while continuing in the, the different disciplines that uh, the Lord might take them in. So that's, in a nutshell, that's mm. what's uh, uh, happening within the context of the African Christian University. Wonderful. Conrad, here in the States, there's um, a lot of Christians, um, a lot of churches, and as they consider the idea of starting or supporting some kind of liberal arts university, um, a lot of church-going Christians could see that as a distraction from the work of the church and say, well, we don't want our pastors getting involved in that, and if we're going to start some kind of institution of that nature, then it's somehow going to peel us away uh, from our primary duties here at the church. And so what would you say to people that have that kind of concern about even seeing some kind of good work of liberal arts uh, university started? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure what it is that, you know, they, they're trying to run away from. I, look, history shows that a lot of the, the major institutions that have blessed even America would have started with not just church leaders, but actual pastors who, on one hand, are laboring to see souls converted and discipled in a general way, but at the same time connecting with the, the real need that is there within not just the city, but indeed the nation as a whole. And that's primarily because uh, you, you soon realize that you have floods of unbelief, not just in the, the secular world, but even within the context of the church, caused by um, incipient declension in doctrine and then also just the failure for believers to see the connection between what you're teaching them in, in the church and the world that they are serving in and, and often wrestling with. So uh, it's pastors who've, who've seen that and said, we can't look the other way. We, we need to shepherd the people of God in a responsible way to, as it were, lock horns with the world out there and being biblically informed bring about a context that's good for the world and that will bring glory to God long after we ourselves are buried uh, with our fathers. And the institutions have been born out of that. So what is sad is the fact that a lot of those institutions have lost ground. And therefore, it behoves us, it becomes our responsibility to, to basically say, uh, let's, let's get fresh, fresh institutions off the ground. Let's learn from the mistakes of the past to undergird these institutions in a way that will give them a better run, perhaps, a longer run than uh, maybe those others managed to do before. Yeah, your, your reference to theology as the queen of the sciences is so pertinent to what we're seeing today. We're watching kind of our own um, civilization here in the States just crumble. And uh, there is a 
real temptation for pastors to kind of just focus on this narrow scheme of things to the neglect of the application of those truths in real life and say, yeah, it is a queen of the sciences. And whether it be agriculture or business, we're going to apply God's word and all of that. I was recently watching a very old film um, called Drums on the Mohawk. I was watching it with my kids and it's like 1940s or 30s or 50s. And it's it's about um, Revolutionary War America. And there is this... Um, there's this pioneer community way out west and interestingly there's the fort you know and it's all rural but there's the fort and inside the fort's the church and the british had contracted the indians to attack it's this little tiny community and there's a pastor there and i noticed that he is so connected to what's going on in his life so he's he's there praying in the congregation everybody from the community's there and in the midst of his prayer, he's he's talking about the things that are happening. And he's actually like looking at people in the prayer, mean like, you know, in the we're told a thousand Indians are coming. Oh, oh God of battles, come down and protect us, you know. And um, uh, in the midst of one of the battles, they're talking about the ammunition being low. And they're just having a discussion. He's like, the ammunition's low. And then he looks up and he's like, the ammunition's mighty low, Lord. Like he's, <laughs> he's connected between God and the world that they're living in, the community they're in, and the needs of of this particular uh, group of people and i thought what an important thing to reconnect that yes uh, god is god over all things and theology indeed is the queen of the sciences we really got to press it into all of these liberal arts um, areas and so the the acu and other things that you've done really has, has grown out of your pastoral ministry you don't see this as competition with your pastoral ministry, I would guess, though, though time-wise, you only have 24 hours a day, and so you do have to decide how to uh, invest your time and energies in any given day. But uh, talk a little bit about that from the standpoint of a pastor and a congregation, and maybe elders, that are trying to contemplate, okay, how do we steward the time and energy and resources we have, given the needs, given the opportunities, and as you said, recognizing that we are going to go and, and be buried with our fathers soon. Yes, um, there definitely is no competition in one sense, and the main reason is the institution of the church. Mm. Um, in the sense that uh, what's been happening as I have been pastoring the church is that, first of all, there's been a number of ministries that have been growing out of the context of, of the church. And then also there is um, a, a leadership that's been mushrooming from you know, the different ministries that are there in the church. And as one reproduces himself in so many lives, what tends to happen is that you, you almost work yourself out of your job because a lot of things are, are happening based around the Bible. It's, it's basic principles. And, and God's people beginning to realize that they are able to, to handle so many things without you necessarily even put in the time. So it, it, it's enabled me to uh, be more specific, to, to be more of a... Of, of a pioneer in, in the, the new areas that need to, to uh, be uh, brought into the orbit of the mm -hmm. life of the church. So, yes, I think if it was in the earlier years of uh, Kabwata Baptist Church, 
I probably would have killed myself in trying mm. to uh, bring in the the context of the university. But now, um, you know, for instance, there are two of us who are now full-time paid pastors in the context of the church. Uh, the younger man is able to take on so much of the sort of more administrative roles, and therefore I'm, I'm able to spend a lot more time with the uh, university itself in the uh, the School of Divinity. Uh, in fact, with, with Vodi coming over here on, on medical uh, grounds, uh, I've had to fit into his shoes, mm. big shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, attempt to do so. And again, it's been possible because so many other areas um, have been taken on uh, by others. So yes, they, um, as I was saying to you before this podcast, if, if I had known uh, then what I know now about getting an investor of the ground, we probably would still be praying about it. <laughs> uh, but um, that's not to say that uh, the church is running aground mm. because of uh, time being spent uh, with, with the university. They, they are capable hands uh, on the ground I'm still playing my role, and thankfully these days with uh, uh, so much that can be done through the internet, you 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 almost on the ground except for the actual physical uh, meetings with people uh, and so forth. So uh, we, we're living in days of opportunity, and we must make the most mm. of the opportunity we have. You know, that's a great point, and that's something that we've been talking about here and trying to assess ourselves. And I'm mean, like, uh, Jared, our, our congregation or mem- members of our congregation get ready to start a Christian school, classical Christian school, in just a few months, opening to open our doors. And, and that's a massive undertaking. And trying to uh, coordinate all those things in the midst of what we've just lived through and still are living through with 2020 and COVID. 19 and all the social unrest in the nation, there's a real temptation to just kind of close ranks and just say, oh, goodness, we've got to preserve and hope that we can survive. And when things get better, we'll look out and hopefully be able to work then. But as difficult as these days are, these are days of opportunity. They're days of great need. And it would be wonderful, I think, for us to talk about how to look at what typically most people would see as uh trying times and recognize, but yes, God's still on his throne. And these are the days he's placed us in and the marching orders are still the same. And so we must look for the opportunities and recognize them. And Jared, you've been really at the point uh, in our congregation together uh, with Graham Gundon, the assistant pastor in thinking through some of this classical Christian school. Tell us, uh, let's, let's talk just a minute about how do you recognize the opportunities? I mean, you don't wake up one morning and just say, Oh, I think we're going to do this 10 years later. Uh, God guides those steps along the way. How's it been for that? Well, it seems to me one of the, biggest key points to get clear in our minds is that Jesus Christ really is risen from the dead. If you believe he's risen from the dead, if you believe that he is ruling and reigning, um, not only in heaven, but also here on earth, that sets you with the framework to even think on the offensive. And I think this is what's so inspiring about what you're doing, Conrad, because to me, it's like, you know, we can look across the Atlantic and say, oh, here is a brother who is 
on the offensive. If it be the church planting work, if it be um, the work with ACU, and you know, here you are. What's Conrad doing? A huge part of you being here is I'm here to bang the drum and raise support. You know, we got William Carey right over there, who was the rope holder, uh, or who, who went, went and you got Andrew Fuller. I'm sorry, over here on the left, who's the rope holder? Andrew Fuller went around banging the drum, saying we need more resources for William Carey on the mission field. It was just all offensive. Um, Offensive, not to be, not to offend someone, but to be on the on the go. William Carey, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So, uh, it's one of the huge things our listeners have to learn and to spread through the states, primarily where many of our listeners are, is to observe those who would sacrifice for the welfare of the next generation, and to think, well, we're not only here to um, seclude ourselves to the four walls of our church, but actually saying, no, Jesus Christ is Lord, and that has implications for education, has implications for what we're doing. What I love about ACU, another dimension of this, is the connection between the mind and the hands. You know, when you mentioned agriculture, getting your hands dirty, and some people think, well, I'm going to go get an education, I'm going to go be in an ivory tower. That's a problem with, with some of the education models that we see, but saying, no, I'm going to go from like working the field and then I'll take my books, you know, with me and I'll be turning pages with the, with the dirt still on my hands. It's a glorious vision of what it means to live in God's created world. So there's so much there, but I think we have to kind of get rid of some of our pessimism about this world and that it is all just downhill and Jesus really isn't king. Um, and I think you're a solid example uh, to us of what it means to really say, we're going to be on the go. So tell us uh, how you have moved into these various building of institutions. So the church planting network that you have now that's in Zambia, which is a model for, I think, any place in the world that wants to get involved in church planting. What you guys have done out of Kabwata Baptist Church has been inspiring to me. I've had God's kindness to let me look at it up close a couple of times. So we've been there and traveled to meet some of the church planters and some of the places where churches have been started. Um, how did that come about? And then how did this uh, ACU come about and, and what are your goals? What are your hopes for both of those uh, two efforts? Yes, uh, I think first of all, it, it's a <clears throat> conviction concerning the sufficiency of scripture. Mm. The, the Bible is sufficient in laying out the, the basic principles of life. Uh, both in terms of salvation and also in terms of just the ordering of life itself, the family, the work, the world, uh, and so forth. So um, I'm not exactly sure how the, the, the other pastors also came to the same conclusion, but before long we just found this, this common understanding, common energy, common excitement. Uh, guys, this is what we have in front of us and looking at the context in which we were seeing that you know this isn't what is happening and so uh, we as it were made a go for it mm. so with respect to uh, for instance church planting yes it, it, it was one at least one or two guys who had begun attending our annual conference who came to us and said look we, we, we just can't continue being in churches that 
um, you know, the, the teaching of God's word is almost totally absent and so forth. Uh, can you come and help us get such a church off the ground? And what we did was to say, okay, let's, let's look at what the Bible teaches concerning uh, the work of missions. And that being so clear, we then simply went ahead mm. with the Bible as our primary guide. And we're glad to say that, uh, you know, now we're talking in terms of, um, I think like 27 years later from the time we commenced uh, our uh, church planting work, we haven't fallen off the cliff. We, you know, we haven't drowned mm. uh, because every time questions come up, we say, okay, let's, let's see what the principles are. And it's been a common mind, the mind of the spirit, that has then continued to lead us. Mm. So we didn't start off with, you know, okay, now I do have a PhD in missions, but we didn't start off there. Mm -hmm. We started off with the Bible, mm. and uh, there's been a, a safe guide. And somewhere along the lines, we, we went from people asking us to do, to plant churches there, to saying, hey guys, let's strategize. Let's be on the offensive. And so we, we then deliberately earmarked the, the major cities in our nation, the provincial capitals, began churches there, then began thinking, okay, any other major towns, then from there, they'll be planting other churches from those churches we're planting. So beginning to have sort of granddaughter churches. <laughs> um, and then we thought, okay, with our internship program, we're beginning to have individuals from other nations coming to be interns here, to be mentored. Why don't we specifically see which other nations we can actually plant churches in? And so that we, we spread the light, let's mm. put it that mm -hmm. way. Um, you know, putting spiritual lampstands in, in the various uh, nations across Africa. And it's with that that this has begun to, to grow. The same way with the African Christian University, we, we were envisaging that we, we, we had studied primary schools, we wanted to keep going further. And then when this opportunity came to start the African Christian University, basically all we did was say, okay, Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the cultural mandate. And what is it that uh, God was saying here? How does this get fleshed out? Mm -hmm. Not only across scripture, but across history. And the more we read, the more we went, wow. I mean, this is God opening up fresh doors, fresh opportunities. Let's throw our weight into that. And again, because we're coming from the angle of the sufficiency of Scripture, we, we are not going off at a tangent. Mm -hmm. the, the, it's, it's fairly clear to see how the church continues to shed its light, its, its saving and sanctifying light through all these uh, mm. various institutions. Uh, and again, when you see God speaking in terms of, you know, uh, subduing the earth, you, you know that this won't be done by our own generation. Therefore, 
we begin to uh, ensure that institutions are growing around the context of the church that will then carry this on to the next generation. Mm. So really, it's all going back to the Bible, its sufficiency, and, and just learning to be students of Scripture. Mm. Conrad, very practically right now with your work with African Christian University, what are some present challenges that we can be praying for and various ways that we can get more information and even support the work that's going on at ACU? Yes, well, um, as I said, we began really in terms of the licensing and opening of doors to students uh, some four to five years ago. So we're still very young getting off the ground. Uh, we've just recently purchased land, so we're thinking in terms of uh, a capital campaign uh, to finally put up structures. Uh, but having said that, therefore, uh, we are looking for partners, first of all, in terms of uh, uh, lecturers, uh, individuals who are godly men and women who have already under their wings developed the, a biblical worldview of their specific disciplines. And even if they can just come out for you know, a month, two months, half a year, a whole year, to, to come and lecture uh, among our own lecturers and help us develop the, uh, the various disciplines so that, you know, having come back from there, they can still be uh, partners that can um, come through and help us and so forth. That's a very practical area that we, we are desperately in need of. We've got good, godly men and women, very highly educated, but they were educated through a secular form mm. of education and having their sort of brothers and sisters come over, work with them side by side, they can induce season take over those disciplines. That's one. And then, of course, there is the, uh, the, the financial aspect in terms of uh, um, our scholarship fund and then our capital campaign as well. So uh, those are the kind of needs that are taking place on the ground. Personnel, definitely and then uh, finances as well. Uh, I, would, I would say that perhaps in the next five to 10 years, maybe closer to 10 years, we might soon reach those levels where um, we are soaring through the clouds. <laughs> but at this stage, I think we're burning a lot of jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, when I think of you, Conrad, I'm reminded of what Paul writes at the end of uh, Philippians 2, he's talking about Epaphroditus and how this man, for the cause of Christ, you know, almost died and he risked his life. He risked his life. And I think about, you know, we all just have a few, few years and so much energy. And we ought to be willing to just gamble our lives, to, to roll the dice for the cause of Christ with whatever he puts in front of us and whatever he's invested in us. I look at ACU that way. I, th I think about the Institute of Public Theology in a similar way. You know, we, we really want to see this become something that will benefit the kingdom of God long after we're gone. And there are other pastors, churches out there that uh, could be thinking this way, should be thinking this way, or thinking about partnering with these types 
types of endeavors as well. And we're delighted as pastors at Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral. Mm -hmm. uh, our church is partnering with you guys, and we try to support you financially regularly. Encourage other churches to consider that as well. Absolutely, especially given the state of what's happening in theological education here in the States. I mean, praise God for yeah. the faithful work of ACU and what's going on. And uh, do check that out. There's a website that we can get more yes. information. Yes, uh, it's www.scu.zm. Uh, Here you say ZM. ZM, yes. Uh, yeah. ZM. But also just Googling African Christian University. And before you know it, you will have um, the, the link staring at you from your screen. Very good. We'll put that in our show notes here as well for those who want to get more information. Do pray for ACU, pray for Conrad and Bayway and the great work that he is doing there. Founders Ministries publishes a book. Tom's holding it up there. It's called Dear Timothy, Letters on Pastoral Ministry, edited by Tom Askell. And Conrad and Bayway has a chapter in that book on watching your life. And particularly mm -hmm. if you're going to be involved in pioneer work, if you're going to be involved in institution building and these uh, applications of the authority of Christ, the sufficiency of God's word for all of life. One thing you're going to have to do and Bible commands us to do it is to watch your own life. Right. Be easy to get distracted from all of the work and all of the endeavors to say you ignore that soul care and uh, examining your life closely. And so it's a wonderful chapter in that book. We're going to put that thing on sale for one week um, starting when this podcast drops. 10% uh, off, Dear Timothy. It's a wonderful book. Go to founders.org and purchase that book. Matter of fact, Conrad, if you would, you want to stay around and for about five minutes uh, for those who are part of our fam, we have a place called our armory. I'd love to just drill down on the chapter that you addressed, what it means to examine your life and watch your life closely. You stay around and do that? That's Wonderful. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trial Day. Conrad, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it.